1 Samuel chapter 16, starting in verse 13. I want to show you something about David. Let me give you the backstory. You remember last week I talked about how, how the, 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 the nation of Israel wanted, they wanted a king. They were tired of the way God was leading them, and they were tired of the way Samuel was leading them, and they wanted their own king to rule over them. And so finally God said, okay, you want a king? I'm going to give you a king. In fact, God even picked the best man in the whole nation to be their king. God just didn't throw him a, a bum. He, he gave him the best man in the whole kingdom to be their king. And God let his Holy Spirit go and be with Saul. But then Saul had his own agenda. He had his own thing that he wanted to do, and he didn't listen to God. And so God rejected Saul. He let him. God warned him what was going to happen. Everything that God warned the, the nation about happened. And then, and then Saul falls, and Saul, God rejects Saul. And then we pick it up right here in verse 13 of, of 1 Samuel chapter 16. God sends Samuel to, to Jesse's house. He says, I want you to go to Jesse's house. Bring some oil with you. I have chosen for myself a king to rule over Israel. And, and so Je- Samuel goes to Jesse's house. He says, Jesse, I'm here to anoint one of your sons to be king. Bring them all out. <laughs> so all the sons come out and they're standing in front of Samuel. And Samuel's looking at him and he's going, surely this is the man. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, 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 we put too much credit in people's outward appearance and not enough credit in their inward self, right? And so, so he's, he's looking at the first one and the guy goes, nope. Looks at the second one, nope. Third one, nope. And he goes down the line and God, God finally says to Samuel, stop looking at the outside. I'm looking for somebody with some inside. <laughs> you see in this? You see, your character and your integrity, your heart is what God cares about the most. That's where he's getting. Because when God gets at your heart and your character and your integrity, the outside's going to change. Amen? So finally, Samuel says, well, man, you got any more boys? <laughs> he's like, well, yeah, I got this little kid out in the, in the pasture. You know, this little ruddy boy, he's, he's my youngest one. He's only 16. Bring him. David walks in, 16-year-old boy, and God goes, that's the man. And so we pick up the story right here in verse 13. I want to show you something in this one verse that's important. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil that he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. Got to get this. Samuel pours the oil on David. The Holy Spirit comes upon David powerfully. From that day on. You see in God's eyes. That was the day David became king. He didn't get the title for many years. But that was the day David became king. You see there's power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I said there's power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He will give you the ability to do. What you couldn't normally do in your own strength. And here's the cool thing about the Holy Spirit. Is when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He starts to lead you. And he starts to give you this supernatural power. To do things that you couldn't normally do on your own. So you actually do more. And you're less tired. You do more. And you're less stressed. Come on somebody. How many of you tired of being stressed? Raise your hand real quick. Then start being led by the Holy Spirit. Come on. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. He gives you power to do the supernatural. I don't want you to be afraid of that word supernatural. It just means something beyond your natural ability. It's a super type of natural. Amen. 
So David, the Holy Spirit comes upon David and gives him the power to do the impossible. And David leaves shortly after that. His father sends him out to the battlefield and Israel is up against the Philistines. And, and, and David's daddy says, boy, I want you to go and bring lunch to your brothers. Now he's, you know, he's like the waiter app. His daddy clicked him and he had to go bring lunch to his brothers. And so David goes and he's carrying this picnic basket to his brothers out on the battlefield. And he runs into this moment. Now you got to remember, even though he's carrying the lunch basket, David is still walking with the Holy Spirit upon him. It's important. He's walking with the Holy Spirit upon him. David walks up to the battlefield. At the same time, the giant comes down and he starts to taunt the children of Israel or the, or the armies of Israel. And he starts to just curse them and, and reject them and, and despise them. He starts doing all these stuff. And David walks up and the whole army of Israel is afraid. They, they, they will not go down and fight this giant. One giant. David walks up with his lunchbox and goes, hold up. What he said? Come on, you've been somewhere when somebody says something stupid and you're like, what they just said? He goes, hold up. And I I think, in my own opinion, I think David looked around at all the grown men around him. Trained in battle, warriors. And I think he got a little indignified. I think he just went, you know what? This is is a tragedy. You're going to sit here and take this? He's cursing our God. He's cursing our nation. You're going to sit around and take this? David goes, I'll fight him. Now, there was a little incentive. Saul's daughter, you know what I mean? It didn't motivate a teenage boy to do some supernatural things. But, right, teenage boys? (laughs) And so David goes, he goes to Saul and says, man, I'm going. I'm going to fight him. He's like, you're just a boy. Fast forward the story. David's standing facing the giant, getting ready to have one of the greatest moments in his life, anointed, and the Holy Spirit is with him. Watch this. Chapter 17, it's not on the screen, but I'm going to read it to you real quick. I want you to hear a little bit of this trash talking. Verse 41, it says, As Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy, Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David said, shut up. (laughs) This is my version. (laughs) That's what I said. Shut up. I just like that. I like to tell people shut up. (laughs) Shut up. No, I'm joking. David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, watch this, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword or spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give us, or he will give you to us. So David comes out and talks some real trash. Now, I want you to pay attention to something real quick. David comes to, to go against the giant with a sling and a stone. And he tells the giant, I'm going to cut your head off. 
with a sling and a stone. I'm going to kill you. But David knew who was really going to win the battle for him. And the Bible says that David runs out to meet the giant. Now, there's something powerful in that. That meant that he was so confident that God was going to give him victory that he just went for it. And I'm telling you today, as a believer, there's come time, there comes times in your, your spiritual walk with God that you're going to have to get a little bit of go forth in you. You're going to have to get a little bit of crazy in you. Sometimes you're just going to have to run out against the thing that's been tormenting you. Amen? You need to get a little bit of audacity and a little bit of boldness and maybe just a little bit of crazy. In the right direction. <laughs> right? You ever, you ever get chased by a dog on your bicycle when you're a kid? I used to go spend my summers in Texas, and this dog would always chase me. And dogs can smell when you're afraid, they say. So, so I'm, I'm, my cousin would always want to go. He did this just to mess with me. He'd always make me drive down this, this one street. We could go the other way, but he wanted to go this way because he wanted to see the dog chase me. The people used to get a kick out of me for the wrong reason. So, man, day after day, I, I knew the, and I was so scared, and I was just tormented. Man, I didn't want to go, and... And I would pedal my bicycle, and, and sure enough, I mean, I would be praying, Lord, I pray the dog's blind. Lord, I pray the dog's sleeping. Lord, I pray somebody hit the dog. I'm, Lord, some. I'm just tired of being tormented by this dog. And, and so I, I take off down the road this one day, and I was just like, God, man. And I, was, I started to get mad. You know, like you, you, you ever get so mad you start crying? It's okay, man. You don't have to respond to that, but you know it's true. And, and so, I mean, I'm paddling my bicycle, and sure enough, here comes this old ugly dog showing his teeth. And finally, I just got so mad, I threw my bicycle down, I just ran it. And the dog was like, <laughs> and he took off running. And I was like, dog never mess with me again. Sometimes you got to have a little bit of that attitude in your Christian walk. Amen. Because you got a full-time tormentor that's coming after you, trying to cause division, trying to cause disruption, trying to get you unfocused, trying to get you to go another direction, right? Trying to get your attitude out of balance. David runs down at the giant. He's got his sling and his stone, and man, he lets that thing go. And God, God guided the stone. And the stone hits Goliath right between the eyes in the sweet spot. Come on, somebody. Goliath falls. David still got momentum with him. Runs up, grabs his big old sword, stands on top of it. And I guarantee he took, he's 16, okay? I guarantee you, right before he cut his head off, he kind of looked around to see if somebody was looking. Right? Schwing cuts his head off. The important thing about that is, is that David's bold move struck a fire in the whole Israel army. The Bible says that they all got excited, all ran down the hill. They all did exactly what David did. You got to get this. They all did what David did, and the Philistines, their enemy, took off running. As a spiritual leader, even as a mama and a daddy, as a spiritual leader of your household, when you make the decision to make the bold decision being led by the Holy Spirit to kill the giant in your family... You never know what your kids are going to do. But until you decide to go and face that giant, that giant could be anger, that giant could be judgment, that giant could be depression, that giant could be an addiction, that giant could be an unhealthy relationship. 
You never know what's on the other side of your dead giant. And spiritual leadership requires you to be led by the Spirit and have some boldness to go and face the giants in your life. David caused everybody else to go crazy. David's crazy was contagious. The little boy, he embarrassed the grown men. I mean, come on, men. A little boy runs out and fights a battle that that you were supposed to be fighting and he wins. What do you do? You don't sit there and look stupid. You go. (laughs) You take off and you go and you fight, right? So you never know what's on the other side of your battle. You know, when I I read this story, and I've been on this story for about three or four weeks now, just kind of chewing on it and reading it and chewing on it, I realized something last night. That out of all, out of the whole army, the lunch boy was the only one, watch this now, who saw the opportunity in the opposition. He was the only one that saw the opportunity in the opposition. You see, most Christians today, when we face opposition, we turn and run. Or we we get on Facebook and we complain. Right? Right? David saw the opportunity in the opposition. I'm preaching to somebody this morning. He didn't run from it. He said, there's an opportunity in this giant. When this giant falls, it's going to do something to God's people. When this giant falls, it's going to lift God's holy, righteous name. When this giant falls, fear of the Lord is going to spread across this world. He saw the opportunity in the opposition, but he was just the lunch boy. He wasn't even supposed to be there. He wasn't even enlisted. You never know what one bold move led by the Holy Spirit will do to the people around you. You never know. You never know where your family will end up when you slay that giant that's been tormenting you. You see, the cool thing about David is is that the Holy Spirit came upon David and he gave David this, this crazy ability To just take care of what needs to be taken care of. He didn't let things just continue. You see, some of us, you've been been kind of trying to situate your life around your your, your opposition and your problems. You're trying to, you know, move your life around your problems. And you because you don't want to address this and you don't want to talk about your marriage and you don't want to talk to your kids because you're afraid you're going to lose them. And and you don't want to address the issues in your family or even in your life. And so you start to live around your issues. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he says, no, stop dancing around it and go at it. Amen. The Bible says when you correct a child, you tell them that you love them. The Holy Spirit gave David the ability to not let things continue. I'm praying that today some of you go, that's not going to continue anymore. That stops today. It stops today. I'm tired of fighting this fight. I'm tired of dancing around my problems. It's not going, it's not going past today. So let me talk to you real quick about how to be led by the Holy Spirit. 
And I want you to remember this about David. Remember David's boldness. Remember his courage. Remember his confidence. Remember the standard that he possessed by the Holy Spirit. Remember those things because you're going to need it. So how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Two quick points real quick. The, The first one is, and we talked about this at the very beginning, how to be led by the Holy Spirit. Number one, you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So you need to ask Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It's not a it's not a mystery. It's not something that's too far to reach. The Holy Spirit is for everyone who believes. Everyone. Ask Jesus to fill you with his Holy Spirit. The second thing is, is you need to get real, real familiar with this word. I'm not talking about Sunday morning familiar. I'm talking about every morning familiar. You need to know what this word says, because let me tell you something. When Jesus fills you with his Holy Spirit, you're going to begin to hear voices. You're going to hear three voices, maybe four. You're going to hear the Holy Spirit. You're going to hear your flesh, your sinful nature. You're going to hear the enemy. Watch this. And you're even going to hear the world. Four voices speaking at you. Let me tell you something. They all try to mimic the Holy Spirit. As a spiritual leader, I really got to focus on who I'm listening to. And my go-to, my security in all this is that if it don't line up with God's word, it ain't God. Amen. Had a girl here with church when we first started. She said, she's, I'm divorcing my husband. I was like, what? Yep. Lord told me to divorce my husband. I looked at her and I said, with love, I said, God didn't tell you to do that. Well, how you know you wasn't there. I don't have to be there. God didn't tell you to do that. God said, if I divorce him, it'll get his attention. No, that's not God's strategy. You, You following what I'm saying? So you need to be filled with his spirit. You need to ask Jesus to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. But you better be real familiar with this word. I'm just telling you. Because there's a lot of voices out there today that are trying to lead you in different directions. Teenagers, you need to be, you need to be in this word now. Because you've got a couple extra voices calling your name. Right? Romans chapter 8 is a great place to read about being led by the Holy Spirit. So let me answer this question. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's leading me? Go with me to Galatians chapter 5 real quick, then I'm going to wrap this up. Galatians chapter 5. You getting something yet? Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. How do I know if the Holy Spirit's leading me? How do I know who's leading me? You ever wondered? How do I know what voice am I listening to? How do I know... What, what voice to respond to? How do I know? Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Watch this. It says this. Paul speaking, he says, So I say, let. So I say, let. You need to underline, put a box around, a couple eyebrows over the top of that word let. Because it's important. Paul said, I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Watch this. The Holy Spirit's not a boss. The Holy Spirit's not a slave driver. The Holy Spirit doesn't have a whip. He doesn't have a rod. 
He doesn't have a chain. And he doesn't push. The Holy Spirit is very gentle, yet powerful. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you. He doesn't want to push you. You got to get this. That's why Paul said to let the Holy Spirit guide your life. You see, there's something in the letting that we got to get. We got to let him lead us. We got to stop letting our sinful nature, the passions and desires of our flesh lead us. And we got to let the Holy Spirit lead us. Amen. It's, it's a letting. You have to let it happen. You have to obey what he says. That's how you let it happen. He says, then you won't be, be doing what your sinful nature craves. So when you're doing what the Holy Spirit wants, you're not doing what your sinful nature wants. So if you ever get confused, just go back to doing what the Holy Spirit wants. The Holy Spirit don't want you to smoke that, drink that, or chase that. Amen? He don't want you to say that, speak that, or have that look on your face. The Holy Spirit don't want that. Your sinful nature does. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. You see, there's a spiritual tug of war going on inside of you. And if you've been walking with Christ for any amount of time, you're going you're gonna to start to understand this. That there's, there's one thing that wants to pull you this way, and there's one thing that wants to pull you this way. God is always opposite of the world. The world wants you to go down the road called death. The Holy Spirit wants you to go down the road called life. And they're pulling on you. Not forcing you to do anything. You make the decision to do what you do. Too many people for too many years have been saying, oh, the devil made me do it. No, he did not. He can't make you do anything. He can only convince you to do it. He didn't make Adam and Eve eat, the, eat from the tree in the garden. He just convinced them to. And they let themselves be led by the serpent. Is that clear? So, so we got to be careful who's leading us. Sinful nature wants to go one way. The Holy Spirit wants to go the other. And the Holy Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These, these two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation of the law of Moses. So, so there's this tug of war going. There's a battle raging. And if you stay in the battle too long, you got to get this. If you stay in a neutral position too long, you're still losing. You see, because if the enemy can't get you to sin, he's going to get you to stop doing what God wants you to do. Which, by the way, is sin. <laughs> Just the way it works. But if he can keep you in a battle and you get so focused on this tug of war that's going on inside of you, you go, I just don't know what to do. You're not doing anything. The Bible says to resist the enemy and what? He will flee from you. Don't give him the time of day. Don't give him a second. When he comes to you, and your sinful nature begins to rise and goes, oh, I got to have me some of that. Oh, man. Resist and he will flee and let the Holy Spirit come in and lead you. Watch this. Every time 
I've, I've faced temptation every time I've been. And when I'm saying temptation, I'm talking about a broad spectrum here. I'm talking about tempted to hit somebody. Temp, yep, I'm a pastor. I still want to hit people. <laughs> Nobody here this morning, though. Okay, you're all safe. I've been tempted to, to, to say things that I shouldn't say. Tempted to act out in rage. Tempted to talk behind people's backs. Tempted to, to look at things I shouldn't look at. Tempted to eat things that I know I shouldn't eat. Tempted to drink things I know I shouldn't drink. Tempted to go hang out with some people I know I don't need to hang out with. I've been tempted. Every time I've been tempted, listen to me clearly. Every time I've been tempted, I've always had a way out. God promises a way out. And he's, he's, he keeps his promises. So when temptation is in front of me, somebody pulls their car out in front of me and I'm, I'm on the front wheels trying to stop. Temptation says, just hit them and get an insurance claim. The Holy Spirit says, no, that's just going to distract your life. <laughs> that temptation comes in an instant. I hear, go this way or go that way. Come on, you know that's true. You remember the old cartoon? I thought about this last night. I remember we used to watch this old cartoon. I'm going to date myself a little bit. Some of you young ones might not know this, but it was a cartoon character and he would be tempted. And you remember on the one shoulder, he would have a little devil with the red suit on and the pointed tail and the little spear and the horns. Remember that, that cartoon? And then on the other shoulder, he would have a little angel and the angel would tell him to be nice and the devil would tell him to be bad. And, and it's, that, that's, that's kind of true. Okay. But, but here's the, let me, let me recharacterize it for you. That, that one on the left side, that's your sinful nature. That's your passions and your desires. And it's saying, I want you to go this way. And on this other shoulder, it's not an angel. It's actually the Holy Spirit saying, no, 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 no. You need to go this way. Paul says, let the Holy Spirit guide you. So when the Holy Spirit says, go this way, how do you let him? Sometimes the first step is the hardest step. Amen? Sometimes the first step is the hardest step to walk away from the temptation in front of you and to let the Holy Spirit lead you. But let me tell you something. If you get good at the first step, if you'll just get good at the first step, it'll get easier. It'll get better for you. Amen? Doesn't mean the temptation goes away. Doesn't mean that the enemy quits. It means he's going to amp his game up on you a little bit more. But you already know how to take the step. Right? I think about Peter all the time. When, when Peter stepped out of the boat, I go, what was holding him up? <laughs> I mean, like, seriously, it's one of my questions. I'm like, God, what did you do? I mean, was it like your hand? Was it like you had like angels lined out on the water and he walked through? I mean, what did you do? Peter didn't know what was there until he stepped in the right direction. Amen. Paul says to let the Holy Spirit guide you. Verse 19 says this. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfishness, ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. In other words, there's more than just these. 
Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of a life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Here we go, verse 22. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self, uh, gentleness, and self-control. And there's no law against these things. In other words, you can produce as much as you let the Holy Spirit produce in your life. So how do you get, how do you get joy? Like, how do, how do you get joy? Like, when you don't have joy, how do you get joy? When the Holy Spirit tells you to go do something, you go do it. How do you get patience? When the Holy Spirit tells you not to do something, <laughs> and you don't do it. Right? How do we grow in these fruits? As we let. As we let. Instead of hitting, we start hugging. Instead of hurting, we start helping. How do we do that? Instead of cursing, we bless. And we grow. And there's, there's no limit to how much fruit you can have. You can like literally be fruity. Some of you halfway there. <laughs> Just picking. How do we do that? We let the Holy Spirit lead us. Sometimes it takes a pause. <laughs> Man, I'm going to tell you, God works through my kids in mysterious ways. <laughs> if anybody can push my buttons, it's my own family. And man, I've learned a lot from my family. I've learned a lot from my kids. You know, God always shows us something through our kids, right? (laughs) But Jesus always shows us the way out. You see, there was a time when one of my kids did something that uh, was kind of like the forbidden thing in my family. And when they did that, I mean, I'd, I'd laid down the law since they were old enough to understand. And this one thing we don't do, we don't do this. And one of them did it. And I instantly went into a rage. I had visions of just tearing the hide off their butt. Sorry for saying butt in church. <laughs> but it's a real thing. I instantly went into a rage and I wanted to tear him up and I'm, I'm, I'm raging y'all. I'm telling you, I'm raging. My emotions are totally out of control. I'm, I'm, I'm going to kill him. That's the thoughts running through my head. I'm going to kill him. Send him on ahead to Jesus. I'll, I'll love him when I get there. I'm going to kill him. And, and, and I, I, I told him, I said, get to the bathroom. And they went to the bathroom and I, I you know, you, you, sometimes I think the Holy Spirit hides the paddle. So it gives you a minute to cool off. Just saying, can't find that dang paddle anywhere. So I finally find the paddle, and I'm, I'm, I'm going, and I'm about to storm into the bathroom and, and tear them up. And, and I heard the Holy Spirit say to me, hey, give them grace. 
<laughs> that ain't God. That's the devil. <laughs> there you God. <laughs> Give him grace. Closer I got to the back. Give him grace. Give him grace. I can do more with grace than you can with rage. Give him grace. Now, some of you said amen because you give too much grace. (laughs) Don't use my story against me. (laughs) And I walked into the bathroom and I said, I sat down and they were tore up from the floor up. I mean, they were just tore up. They're standing and they're going, I'm I'm about to die. (laughs) And normally the way it works is they, I tell them what they did wrong, tell them why they're getting a whipping. And then they bend over and they touch their toes and I bring the heat, baby. Okay? My kids, do I paddle hard? Oh, you, oh, oh, you better be careful how you answer. <laughs> Y'all still living in my house. <laughs> Y'all better stop clowning. That got me all confused. So I, I, I went to the bathroom and I sat down and I said, I said, you know what you did wrong. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I know. I know. I knew they were about to get it. And I said this. Holy Spirit gave me the words to say. I said, I'm going to give you what you didn't give your sister. I'm going to give you grace. (laughs) Just broken hell. I don't know if it was tears of joy or what, but the Holy Spirit promised he was going to do more with grace than I could with rage. So I trusted him. And we've never had that problem again. And so it's important even as a parent to be led by the Holy Spirit because sometimes it calls for strength and sometimes it calls for grace and tenderness. I usually err on the side of strength. Tenderness and gentleness is something I wish I could go back and get. As a parent, can I be honest with you? If I could rewind the tape, the first thing I would go after would be kindness, patience, gentleness. I'm just starting to get those things. If I could go back and parent again. Because you see, if I'm not careful, I'm going to send them out the house just like me. Led by the flesh and not by the spirit. Amen. Listen, your kids need to see you walk through hard times. Don't you dare hide that from them. Be cautious about what you say, but don't hide it from them. They need to see you face opposition as a family. Because they need to learn who to run to. They need to learn what to do when opposition comes to them. Amen. They need to know, you know what? Daddy just backed off and daddy got on his face and mama got on her face next to daddy. And they cried out to God for for wisdom and, and discernment and understanding. And God showed up. And when they got up, we went into that thing. And praise God, we're better than we were when we went into it. Right? And so it's important to be led by the spirit and to have spiritual leadership wherever you go. Let me read the rest of this chapter, then I'm going to wrap this up. Verse 24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. It's time to kill those things. Some of you have been walking with the same old bags for years. It's time to hang them up. Hang them on the cross and let them stay. Let them die. Let them rot. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading. Watch this. In every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke 
one another or be jealous of one another. So, so this is what I want to leave you with today. Focus on following the Holy Spirit. Just focus on following the Holy Spirit. Focus on staying in time with God, doing what he tells you to do. Focus on following the Holy Spirit. And one day, as you're following the Holy Spirit, you'll turn around and look, and there'll be others following you. That's what happened to David. David was filled with the Holy Spirit from that day on, and he led. And one day, God turned the whole nation of Israel over to David. Because they recognized the true leader was a leader who was led by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you today. And he's going to lead you into life and goodness. It's not always going to be easy. But he's going to lead you the best way. If you let him.